Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and enjoying the 50 most relevant for 2023. It is almost done though, this pre-season. We are at number three today. We are talking about Jack Steele. Right throughout the pre-season, you've heard this man and will continue to throughout this fantasy footy season. Fellow panellist, Kane is back. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm really well, MJ. This is the pointy, pointy end. It's hard with these guys in a way. It's easy in one way because they've got a resume, don't they? When you're at this point of the 50, you've got a resume that speaks for itself. And I think the thing we love in the community about Jack too is we saw traits early that we said, this guy's got something fantasy-wise. Just putting that fantasy out of him. We're like, this guy's got something. The way he plays, his physicality, Mm. his tackling. And I think, you know, you look at that first season at St Kilda, came into the team in 2017, 20 games, averaging eight tackles. And it was just like we always said, can he get that disposals up? You know, can he start filling a few of those other columns? Can he be more of a kick first player? Um, And it's a credit to him. His last three seasons, he's been an elite premium. And he's done that. He's got that disposal tally up. He's evened up that kick to handball ratio. So it's, it's near on, you know, one to one. And those marks have come up too. And captain now, one of the best players in the comp. I'm sure there'd be every other coach would love to have a guy like Jack Steele in your team because he just shows up every single week and it's reflected in his fantasy scoring too. Yeah, it really isn't. And the good news for us is he's right in that sweet spot of performing at his optimal peak at just 27 years of age last year. Some really nice scores for us. A 154 against the Eagles in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. What was 143 in Supercoach? Uh, They're both a bit shy of where he's been previously over his career. Probably doesn't have the heights of ceiling that people might have thought, but it's more the volume of how frequently he gets to these ceiling territories that makes him so good. 162 back in 2021 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. He got that against the Carlton Football Club while just the season prior, back in the 2022 bubble-affected year of COVID, 167 against the Lions. He's going to set you back at a decent price point in AFL Dream Team. He's one of the million-dollar men in that format. It's due to him coming in at an average of 110.4, while in AFL Fantasy, he's just 22 k shy of hitting the seven-figure price point. A 109.8 in Supercoach means he is over $600,000. And I think you've already beautifully articulated it for us, Kane, about what we love about Jack Steele. And we'll break down his 2022 and previous seasons in a moment. But he does, we talked about this yesterday with um, the Phantom around Oliver being bulletproof, steals in that similar zone where if you feel like you can shut him down with a tag, he'll build that scoring with tackles. If you feel like you can shut him down uh, on the defensive side by opening up the game, well, he'll just 
rack up the uncontested elements. And then you get this beautiful combination where he picks up contested ball at stoppage, uncontested ball, marks, even gets involved in score involvements historically. He just finds a way to do it. Just last year alone, fifth in the AFL for tackles by averages per game, top 20 for handballs and disposals. He's just got this beautiful fantasy game. And then in Supercoach, to throw it all in the mix, he doesn't just stats pad. He impacts the game with what he does. He is beautifully said by you. He is the perfect modern-day footballer and the perfect fantasy option for us. Well, that's what's so impressive about him, MJ, is it, he's developed his game what feels like year on year. As I said, when he came into league, he was so contested. He was such a first-touch player. He was such a hard tackler. But he struck that balance. He gets the ball a bit easier. He's able to cover the ground really, really well for a strongly built midfielder mm. and get on the end of those easy marks, take those kicks and just take a bit of pressure off his game because it's such a physical game. It must be so taxing mm. to be that almost guy that's leaned upon. We know Brad Crouch had a really good year last year and it's a bit of support in that midfield, but he's such a, a key guy. You mentioned yesterday, you know, Petrarca and Oliver as a duo. You think about some of those great Bulldogs midfields. Having a bit of support in there just to feed off each other, takes yeah. some, of that, some of that opposition attention. But Steele has really been that guy, which is a good and a bad thing at times in fantasy. I think the thing that's so fascinating about him, MJ, is he came off that monster year in 2021. Yeah, And I think, as we said at the start, when you get to this point of the 50, this is the top of the tree. These guys... Yeah are incredible players. And I think the thing that maybe some coaches are starting to think about now is 2020 breakout season, adjusted yep. 113 in DT, 114 in Supercoach. You look at last year, had the injury game against Geelong, but yep. really the season was a 110 DT with that taken out. And it was about a 112, 113 Supercoach. Yep. And the reason I bring up 2020 and 2022 is that 2021 season where he averaged over 120 in both formats. Ooh. It was really built off the back half of the seasons. Because you look at the first 11 games, MJ, 109 DT, 116 Supercoach. Mm. Very much in line with 2022, very much in line with 2020. What got everyone so excited and what rocketed people to the moon in 2021 was from round 12 onwards, those final 11 games, he went at 134 DT and 136 Supercoach. And the reason that's important is players do have purple patches of their career. And I think that's something we have to be cognizant of is, was that just Jack Steele playing out of his skin, playing yeah. a red-hot purple patch? And now this might apply to a Clayton Oliver for some people. This might apply to a Rory Laird or sure. whoever you're picking up because – we know sometimes in footy you just get hot. The ball bounces your way. That extra yeah. tackle sticks or they fumble the ball and it goes from being a missed opportunity to a plus eight with a tackle, free kick and kick. Like all those type of things, that's what happens in fantasy. You know, Tom Rockliffe, his monster season was a bit like that. We know his body let him down. But sometimes mm. when you're hot and we've seen the these guys get hot, you. it just follows you and you have this monster, monster score. So yeah, obviously last year that was fresh in our memory, wasn't it? Oh my God, this guy's priced at 121, DT 126 and super coach. But that back end I alluded to is plus 10 on that, which is up there with the Gary Ablets of the world doing that across season after season. So you take a breath now at 2022 and you think, 
well, that's maybe more what he's like. So that's the only thing mm. I see, MJ, people going, is he just the guy that I'm getting what I pay for? Yes. Now, there is a slight discount with that injured game, but it wasn't an injured game like a Christian Salem opening minutes of the game, single-digit score. No, a second quarter and found a way yeah, to kind of soldier it. through, but he was up forward a fair bit. And and for us, MJ, all fantasy coaches care about, what, what did he score? He scored a 77 and a 74 yeah. across the two formats. So it's not that significant discount. No. Clearly priced at 110 across the board. The three-year sample size would tell you, at the worst, he is that. I think that's fair. And we flagged that the upside... Yeah, can you do the upside for a whole year? Who knows? Dangerfield's had those type of seasons. Swan, Mitchell, guys have done it. But when you're in that 120-plus range and 125-plus range in Supercoach, you need a lot to go right. You really can't have an off game. And if you do, you need to be showing near on 200-point ceiling in Supercoach. Yeah. So that's probably the only thing for mine because I think he's rightfully super high in the 50. He deserves it. He's proved it year on, year out. There's that little bit of value that's just more of a buzzword by the week, value, value, value. <laughs> yeah. and, and rightfully so, because he ticks not only some value, but he's also, he is a top ender. I oh, think even if he just rolled out doubt. what he did, he's in that bracket. But I think the people that love him, they're hoping for the return to 115, 120 in DT, 120 to 125 in Supercoach. That's what that, you're really right. hoping for. Yeah, it really is. Even if you just put his season in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, um, Laird, Brayshaw, Mills, and Oliver, they're the only people that averaged more than him last year. That includes a, a really anomaly game in that tagged game. It includes a game where he spent half of it forward with an injury. And I, I remember people that were owning him in that game are going, every point I'm, is just getting me more out of the pain. I know I'm going to trade him next week. And so people were thrilled to get to the 70 when it looked like he was going to be heading out of the game with a 30 or a 40. So you're right. He doesn't have that value that was there, but you look through how he scored across the season before that injury, he was still only going basically a 110 in Dream Team and Fantasy and a, and a 114 in Supercoach. So marginally under what we'd seen the two seasons prior. But that's, I think, the narrative case around Steele is you, when you're spending so much money, and yes, he has to be a captaincy and vice-captaincy option at this point of what you're investing. You're going, you're not just trying to get the best available option. You're also trying to minimize risk at this point in time. Getting a guy that you're outlaying a 110 for, if they go at a 105, it's actually not a disaster. If they go 100, though, and you're missing a Brayshaw, you're missing a Mills, you're missing an Oliver, you're, you're missing these top-of-the-tree guys, let alone a Laird who, who's comparable to him in some of the other formats. Oh, that's where the burn hits. But the upside, as you've mentioned, is so good of, Man, can I deal with him just being what he is and having him, quote unquote, be my worst or mid-range M4, M5, M6 for the year? Well, if you can deal with the burn, the upside is he's genuinely got the scoring columns pedigree and potential to be the number one guy. You mentioned those past three years of averages, 122, 126, 109.8 in Dream Team and Fantasy, the adjusted 113 in Fantasy, 121 and 110 in AFL Fantasy. So I, I think that's the thing you're looking at along the way. But I think there's two big questions that I want to kind of throw to you around this. Because um, 
Questioning his fantasy pedigree is not the right question. He's a scorer. The two big questions are this. What happens at St Kilda under Ross Lyon? And then the second is, what's the, what is the market and the tier we need for our premium midfielders to go at this year? And that's different across the formats. So those are the questions I've got for you. How do you see him playing within the Ross Lyon game style that yet is unknown? And then where do you see the cutoff of what an elite premium midfielder needs to do for us this year? Well, the first one, MJ, is we really don't know. I think the hard part, obviously, with a guy like Steele, and we mention this often with defenders with the kickouts, is he already has had in the previous seasons as good a role as he can get. When he's Mm. on the field, he plays inside mid, and he's actually worked hard enough that his time on ground is actually quite high. So he's not a guy... You know, Matt Crouch a few years ago, the points per minute's off the chain. If Can he get the time on ground up? That's always that question that we're monitoring in the preseason. But Jack's already sort of got a, you know, almost a ceiling in his time on ground, which you would, you know, think of now that he's a 27-year-old player. Yeah, and he's sure. done all, all the work. Okay, the midfield role, he's already got that. He's already, you know, in every CBA that he can be on the ground for. So you start thinking... There's probably no gain there with the game plan. They had the no. number one. They were one of the mark, number one marking team in the league last year under Brett Ratton. Probably only down from there, MJ, isn't it? Now, yeah, marking's not. Those. Marking's not. You know, it's not huge for steel, but it does indicate. But, but it a still game ticks style. over, doesn't it? it yeah, does. and it still ticks over, and it allows him to get on the end of a few. Um, so I don't think there's really positives in the game plan. Now there might be nothing, which is probably what I'm more leaning to is that. For him, it's business as usual. There might be some guys maybe on the outside that are a bit more impacted if they're not going kick mark mm-hmm. and it's a bit more direct. Um, but I think his his role is safe, at least in yes. the sense of what we can predict at this stage. The The bar is always fascinating, MJ, because mm. now you're going to have to predict every other player. And that's basically why fantasy is so hard is you're not just making a prediction for one player. You have to really predict every player in the league, more or less, because everyone's competing with everyone. If you don't pick Steele, why not? There's another player you could have picked. Another player, someone you're competing with is going to pick. And that's why these decisions are so tough. Is You're trying to be in the 0.01% of the comp, you know, just to be a top 100 guy. With the amount of people that play this game and these games across all the formats, it's not just... Oh, I'm just playing my own game, see how many points I can get. Like you're up against everyone else. And that's where the yeah. game theory of who do I start, who do I not, how do I manage it? So I, I think Steele's what he'll produce will be a top eight mid. Now, I the agree. hard part for that, the reason I bring that up is where it becomes not about him is what's number one and two. Because we mm. find with these decisions, and last year it wasn't Oliver and a um, led. You don't want to be missing them in Supercoach because they're putting a gap on the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, yeah. mid. And then on the flip side is, is there someone that's cheaper than Jack Steele? Maybe it's five points, maybe it's 15, 20 that you think can actually start nipping at his heels or even surpass because, you know, Tom Green's sort of been that guy in the preseason, isn't he, MJ? He's a lot yep. cheaper, but the expectation in the Supercoach is that maybe he can go one ten plus. Absolutely. And that's where it starts getting a bit funky and fascinating is if you don't think Steele's the top, top end, 115 mm. plus in DT, 120, 125 plus in Supercoach now with how good those top enders are. Yeah. And you think there's guys that are cheaper that are going to get 
within a handful of points of him. Well, now how do you how do you manage that cash? Is there something else you could do by taking a Jack Steele to a Tom Green? Could you get someone else up? And that's why this game is so fun and so fascinating is you make one move and the butterfly effect of that can change your 100%. whole team. I, I think Steele, what he'll produce MJ, will be top eight numbers across the formats. I agree. Does he have the does he have the potential to be in the top one or two? Absolutely he does. For sure. Will he be if I had to bet my life on it? There's probably other guys I would go to be the top top. But I think at the price you're getting, you'll get a slight bump. Yep. He'll be a top eight guy. He'll be in your team the whole year barring an injury. Yep. And you're happy. But as I said, there's only one person that can win the comp. There's only That's 10 true. people that can finish top 10 and it goes on forever after that. Absolutely. Is he someone that's enough value to give you the points you want and yeah. also to allow you to do other things to generate more points across your team? Because we love cash. We love generating cash. 100%. But the game's not decided by cash. It's decided by points. 100%. Is so getting him that? over a Brayshaw in an AFL fantasy and dream team, does that get you where you want to go? Does yep. going him over a Rory Laird and that initial big average gap, do you go, or oh, the money I'm saving, albeit marginal, gets me to the combination of where I want to be? The, the reason I've got um, steal where I do in the 50. Um, and again, it's a subjective list. At the end of the day, it's my thoughts and people get to go, I disagree with them. Right? Good. You, you're meant to. It's all about fostering a conversation this part of and the And isn't process. that funny, MJ, when you hear these coaches that have had success and, and, and we know them personally, some of those coaches, yeah. and we've heard from them, how many times they say, geez, I got this wrong. Oh, I got that wrong. So but many things. The people yeah. that win, and that's what's so good is that, and we always say it, Sometimes it's a tough week and it's hard to get 1,800. But the point is we're all versing each other. There's exactly. no good saying, oh, I'm scoring 2,500s. It's about rank. Like if everyone's going 2,500, that's not an impressive score. It, it we're just matter. versing each other and everyone makes mistakes and they make wrong decisions and they 100%. have regrets about a player. And half the time the stuff we get asked and we speak about is resetting that composure of, yep, okay, you've made a call. Yep. It hasn't worked out how you wanted it. And now Let's how not do you make two mistakes? That? Let's not stack those mistakes because we're we're frustrated or we're annoyed or you know the competition's getting away from us. That's yeah. the real battle of fantasy across what is now 24 rounds is that composure because you're going to not make the perfect trade every week. That's just no. not how the game works. Oh, you'll make so many mistakes through the year. I, I think why I've got still where I do is you, you look at this top 10 to 20 midfielders across the format in terms of how you personally would stack them out. And that's where a draft ranking can really help you is it gives you a really nice indicator along the way. I'm with you. Could still be the best midfielder and overall scoring in any of the formats? The answer is yes. But what we saw in 21, in 2020, the back half of a number of seasons, he definitely is a back half specialist. And part of that's just as the game slows, his tackle count is able to really beef out even stronger because of it. But as I look through all the midfielders, it's about building a narrative that you feel you can either poke holes in or that captures some water. For example, Rory Led really highly ranked in the 50 most relevant. Does him maintaining a high 120s average, does that actually help the Adelaide Crows develop in their rebuild? Do they need 
Berry, Schoenberg, Rochelle, Rankin, these guys taking a greater share of the ball. Now, I think Laird's going to be a very fine pick for us this year. If you remember back to the episode I did with Rids, we were both quite bullish on where we think he'll be this year. But that's what you've got to do is go, okay, who do I think is lockable in these positions, bankable? What can I poke holes in? Where does it? Where do the leaks come? And, and when I've word done, you mentioned in there, MJ. Yeah. What do you think? What Correct. do you think as the coach? You Correct. think that's the that's most it. important thing. We can throw things up and, and guide you. And um, there's so many people putting things into the fantasy community that I think for a lot of people now, sometimes that's overwhelming because yeah. we disagree, me and you. Oh, me yeah, and absolutely. disagree, you and Rids. And then you amplify that to everyone that's speaking and having yeah. thoughts. You do have to come back to it being your team. Your Correct. strategy, your ideas about how you build it. So sorry to interrupt there, but I think that's no, such no, a key, no. That, it, it's such a, a beautiful at this point. stage of the preseason. Is it's your team? Correct. You you are picking someone over someone else for a reason. And what is that narrative? And what is that reason? Why Steele is here for me is of all the midfielders, and maybe there's one or two to come in the last two spots. Who knows? Um, of all the midfielders that I have built a top eight ranking. He is one that I can't poke enough holes in to say he's going to fall out of that. He's got incredible high ceiling and he's got a really high basement. He presents a margin of value and I can't see him falling off the cliff or really at all for what he's priced at. So for me, if we're talking risk mitigation, when you're outlaying this much cash, you cannot get a bust. Yes, we've got enough trades to make correctional trades, but if you're spending this much catch outlay in your starting squad, barring an injury or suspension, this is a you are with me for the year approach. So you don't want to get it wrong, which is where for me and the way I like to play the game, I just go steal, bulletproof, safe as houses, barely will burn me, might not get much higher than what he is, but as high as he is, is still going to be, in my eyes, a top eight midfielder across the formats with the upside of pushing the upper tier of mids. For, for some, they go, no, 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 I, I I, don't want to do that. And you play the game differently. And that's okay to the point that came made. It's how you play the game. You've got to play the game within a way that works for you. And it's why, for me, I, I just think Steel is absolutely one of the best options for the year. No, MJ, you nailed it. And, and the reason building your team is so important is that you can't be changing strategies by the week because you heard something on a podcast or read something in an article. That's where it just it goes out the window. You know, you, most of the coaches that succeed, they have a plan. Sure, there's some people that just have a season where they're just making right calls left and right, but most people, they build that starting squad. They've got the buyers in mind. They've got a bit of a roadmap of who they think they want. Sure, they know there's people that are going to improve and and catch your attention and, you know, you're going to have to adjust your plan. You know, not many people said, geez, Sinclair is going to be a superstar in defence. You know, not many people are thinking that Doherty is going to be as good as he, he was last year. He would do what he did. All it's, of this but, kind of Jay, stuff. but there's a roadmap, isn't there? You start going, what is the what is the side I want? And when yeah. do I want to get them? Is it post-buy? Is it starting squad? Is it round six or seven? So all of that's important. Draft, MJ. This is one that I think is tricky, a little bit tricky. Two variables, I think, impact draft and ultimately where steel goes. Number one, the format you play. And then number two, 
how bullish people are to lock away one of the top three or four forwards. Out of those two variables, it really spits out the difference. In Supercoach, you've got these 120 mids sitting there up high at the top of the tree, those handful. As good as Steel could be to get there, you're not leaping up to go and get him there. As, as big as what the forwards could be, you're probably picking some of them maybe ahead of him. So I'll, I'll throw the question to you. On draft day, it's different for each format. I'm very aware of that with Jack. Is he an M1 locked across the formats or does he slide a bit and where does he go? He's M1 for me. Yep. I'll start with DT because I think he goes earlier in that format as opposed to Supercoach. And I'll tell you I all agree. why in a minute. He's just in that blanket. So we know we've got the the heavy forwards. We know it's because the positional scarcity. We know it gets pretty grim after about 15, 20 forwards. It gets quite tricky to find guys that you have much confidence in. So when it's a blanket, you can usually leave those guys last. There's going to be a lot of forwards off the waiver wire after round one that no one really had much interest in. But for me, he's in that he's in that pack. He's in the pack with Oliver, with mm. Brayshaw. You know, Laird's probably at the front of the queue just looking at that big fat average next to his name. But Atuk Miller's in that bracket. It's it's a big swarm of guys. So I think it's going to be really, really fascinating on what pick you get. Yeah, I think if you pick one or two. There's no chance you can get him. I just don't think he'd wrap no. back around to a pick 20 or 19. No. I think where you'd really like to be is you'd probably love to be at the back of the first round and have a chance at him on the turn of your second pick. First pick yeah. maybe if you if you feel really good. But I think he's in that 8 to 14 type of range. I think there's probably two to three yep. boards ahead of him. Yep. You know Doherty's around that mark. You know, there's always some coaches that just want rucks because they're worried. And then it's just your preference of Laird, Oliver Brayshaw, Miller, McRae. There's so many good mids. There's so mm. many good mids. How do you how do you strike that that balance? So for me, really, I'd probably love to be looking at this draft group. Probably love to be either pick one or pick ten. Yeah, I might have a chance to get two really strong mids at ten and eleven. From at the start, probably get the good forward. So I think Steele is your late first, early second. Yep. Um, and if you don't get in by that point, you're probably getting a guy that's really, really similar. Yeah, you're not getting a bad option. Eh? Now, in Supercoach MJ, the reason he, he's probably around later is those defenders in Supercoach with how they're rewarded with their disposal and their intercepting, Yeah, they're almost now pushing what he's averaging as a midfielder. Now, I know Correct. he's gone higher than that. Sure, but what? But what a Sicily's doing? What a Dawson's doing? A Sinclair? What a Doherty can do? It's funny that they're almost fighting those forwards that in the DT format look really, really strong. Yeah, it's a bit you harder to get Cogs in and a Taranto in particular. They they don't seem to convert their scores like the defenders do across the Supercoach. Yeah. So I think I think he's more of a a late second, early third in that format just because there's so many mids again that are so, yeah. so popular that it's a bit of a blanket over them. And again, the top defender, the top ruck and the top forward, you'd sort of probably feel best just securing one of that group just to give of yourself course. that that real attacking position in a matchup that you're like, I've got a guy that can be a separating force and sort of hope your midfield can just sort of rally because they're just, they're so tough to pick MJ. I think there's, if you were doing who can be in the top eight, 
I think you could easily put 20, 25 names in that group. 100%. I think in the back line, though, who can be in that top six, it's probably down to almost 10, 11. That's just how high that bar is now. So he's a good pick. I don't think he disappoints you. I, no, don't, I don't think, think he he's going to be the, the driving force that wins someone a car or a big check. No. But, but he's not going to crash that car for you. And he's not going to. No, gonna, he's going to be the beauty. I remember when I first played fantasy football, there was a, a defender by the name of Corey Enright uh, from Geelong, and you could pick Corey every week because his scoring variable, really, really minimal. He would never burn you with a bad game, and he's got the potential and an ability to give you the best score in the round against almost any opponent every single week. And that was a hard thing with those guys, MJ, isn't it? You couldn't pick that ceiling. You'd be like, no. oh, he's, he's been disappointing for the first six weeks. And then two weeks later, he's gone bang, bang. And yeah. that's what st- steals like as well. You, yeah, He'd be hovering at a low 100, then it's 140, 140, 140, and you're off. Yeah, we, we look back at the start of the season of what he gave us last year, and it's just... Lots of tons, nothing crazy in ceiling, but just lots of tons. And I think the only reason in draft and in classic formats, there's a oh, Jack Steele is we expected 130, we expected 125, we expected a number one or two, and understandably so. And what we got was a really nice premium midfielder that was pretty bankable. And always a captaincy consideration every single week. And so in drafts or in classic, I just think he's one of the most rounded, solid, excellent options in the year. He won't win you a car. He won't win you 50K. He probably won't win you a premiership. But I think I loved what you said. He won't cost you one either. And where where you're picking him on draft and what you're paying of cash in classic, you need something that's bankable. and, And my goodness. Jack is bankable. Some brilliant work from you today throughout this episode. Thank you, Kane. Oh, MJ, always love chatting fantasy with you, mate. You've done very well. Thank you. Two to go. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. I'll be listening. Couple more to go. And then, of course, straight after the 50 most relevant 10 players, unlucky to miss the 50. We've got a special episode for that and an article. But if you want to go and read any of the articles, including the one on Jack, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv, the podcast, wherever you've downloaded or streamed this from. You can go back and check out the other 47 beyond this one. Maybe you're just jumping in, uh, you know, what, three and a half, four weeks away from round one. Maybe you're like, oh, I've kind of forgotten some things. Just jump back to the start of the 50. We've recorded it in such a way that we believe uh, the content will last longer than that one singular day that you listen. Go back and check it out. There is plenty of great stuff there. In about 30 seconds, I'm going to give you a clue about who's next in the 50 most relevant. You should know the two names. Let's be honest. I've got no more sneaky surprises for you, but the order might be a sneaky surprise. If uh, you've been loving the content you've got from us this preseason, there's a couple of ways you can support the coaches panel. You can tell others in mates in leagues that you play against about the coaches panel, about the podcast and the articles. You can leave a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to this episode, or you can become a financial supporter by joining our Patreon supporter group. The links are at coachespanel.tv. And uh, we'll kick some extra content articles, hidden group access, and a bunch of other stuff. Coachespanel.tv has got all your links for that. All right, so who's at number two? 
there was a significant change that happened in the off-season, that when this change went down, every fantasy coach I know in their little black book went and got this guy and wrote it in and say, start with this guy. They didn't question it. They didn't doubt it. And the reason was he's been there, he's done that, and one significant change has meant, oh, how can I not pick him? Who is this guy that many people wrote down in October? Lock in this bloke. He's going to be good for us this year. But is he going to be good enough? Is he got the ability to deliver on what everybody's expectation is? Or are there some uncertainties in his team because of it? He's a pretty good player. Let's be honest, he's at number two. Who am I talking about tomorrow? Honestly, it could probably be both of them, right? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.